Hello, yes, a good morning, a good afternoon, and a good evening to you, however you may be listening and wherever you may be listening. This is the Full and Focus podcast coming to you um, where we have finally had the uh, you know, third time lucky, I believe is the phrase people would like to use. We had our first game against Crystal Palace. We had our first goal against Tottenham. Now we've got our first win against Burnley, and that's what we're going to be discussing tonight, as well as previewing our games against Exeter, our game against Brighton, and everything else thrown in between that makes the Full and Focus podcast what you love to listen to. But enough from me. It's time to introduce our panel for tonight. Eh, I don't know who to introduce. I'll just go with whoever's first on my screen. And it's a good evening to Mark. Mark, a good evening to you. Good evening, Matthew. How are you doing good. tonight? Good. Have you uh, have you recovered from the fantastic result that was Sunday? Oh, what, what a day. Yeah, absolutely. Still on cloud nine, but absolutely loving it. So cloud nine, exactly. And it's an, another it's another good evening to my partner from last week. It's a good evening for Matt. I should have asked this before we recorded, but we'll get on to it anyway. Matt Bo- Boss Claire. I'm Claire. that's right. Bois Claire. Bois Claire. So there's a slight French tinge to it. A bit like right. a bit like Le Marchand, which I quite like. <laughs> quite like that's saying right. that. Right, that's straight into it. There's only really one place to start, and that's our uh, game against Burnley. I don't want to get too much into the ins and outs of you know, what the game was. I think everyone at this stage has seen the goals, seen how they came about. Uh, Jean-Michel Chéry, his Thunderbolt, Mitrovic's two headers, Scherler getting his rebound in. I think everyone's sort of seen what happened. We don't need to get into that too much. I think the main talking point is going to be, did Slav get his team selection right? Obviously he did because we won. But was he right to make those changes? And the first question is, Marcus Bettinelli. There was a lot of talk going into it. Should he have been brought up? Uh, are we making too much of a fuss about the Fabri goalkeeping situation? Mark, just break this down to it. Do you think that Slav was right to, you know, I don't want to say give in to fan pressure, but there was a lot of you know talk and a lot of, I don't want to say anger from the fans, but a lot of fans were clamouring for Marcus Bettinelli to start. Do you think he made the right decision to go with Bettinelli? Look, I, I said this on the last podcast. I, I'm always going to back what Slav thinks. And, and it, it, we've got three fantastic keepers. I think Fabri and Rico are equally as good as Bettinelli. And I think all three of them will feature. I don't think we'll see two of them just drop out of the picture. I think we'll, we'll have a lot of rotation, which, which I kind of like. I don't think Slav gave in to pressure of that sign. I think Bettinelli, you know, it's probably a smart choice. Uh, he did say he wasn't injured for the first game. Uh, and so it was quite clear that he'd been dropped. We're never going to know what actually happened behind the scenes, but I was pleased to see Bettinelli come back in. He obviously responded well, um, made a couple of good saves. I thought his distribution could have been a little bit better, especially the long passes. A couple of them gave away possession. But overall, uh, it was nice to see him back between the sticks, and and it's clear how much he he loves the club. So, you know, no complaints there. I think we've got some really good competition for for that place. So long may it continue, really. Yeah, uh, Matt, same question to you. Did you agree with Marcus Bettinelli being given... The, the number one shirt for for Sunday's game. Well, firstly, I think um, last week on on the podcast, I made the statement that we need to forget about Bettinelli because he's he's not going to be involved this season, and that's that's exactly what I thought at the time. Something's clearly happened off the field here with the goalkeeping coach who appears to have left the club, um, and all of a sudden Bettinelli's back in favour. I'm a big fan of Bettinelli. I think he's he's a great keeper. As Mark said, his his distribution wasn't fantastic at times yesterday, but he had a good game. He came and grabbed a couple of uh, crosses, made a couple of neat saves, and I feel more comfortable with 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 him in goal than than I did with Fabry. I didn't really have anything against Fabry, but it's clear that some supporters 
had lost confidence in him. And to echo what Mark said as well, I think we need to trust what, what Slav says and, and what Slav thinks. And if he thinks that it's uh, the right decision to play Bettinelli, then that's great. I'm not a great fan of rotating goalkeepers. I think goalkeepers are confidence players. And, you know, if, if a goalkeeper comes in and plays well, then, then he should keep his place. And I don't see any reason following yesterday's performance from Bettinelli that he should be dropped. And I think he should keep his place for the next game. So you said that that Ben should keep his place for the next game. Obviously, we've got the cup game against Exeter coming tomorrow, as we as we record this uh, tonight when it goes out. So be some viewers too on the way to the game. There's obviously going to be some changes, and we'll get on to Exeter in a moment. But do you think for the league campaign at least, the Bettinelli has got this number one jersey and the number one spot secured down? Is that what you're saying, Matt? I'm not saying he's got it secured down, but I'm saying that. Based on his performance yesterday and his performances last season, now he's back in the in the side. I think it's his place to lose. Okay, and one of the other more contentious uh, points. Uh, I don't. I don't want uh, it. Would it was somewhat contentious? The uh, debate that we as uh, had last week about whether or not we should drop Ryan Sessegnon. Uh, Slav again made that decision. He brought in uh, Vieto. I I should know his first name, but he hasn't played enough right now that I know really should know. <laughs> Luciano. Luciano, thank you. I thought, for some reason, I thought it was Lucas, but Luciano, thank you. Close. Luciano Vieto playing in uh, Cesc's position with Sherlock on the wing because previous game against Spurs, it was Cesc, Signon, and Kamara on the on the right and left wing, respectively. And that's another one of the big calls that Slav, you know, is paid to make. And the question from that is, again, was this the right call to make? Is this uh, going to be a drop in confidence for Sessegnon? And do we think that Sess is now going to be a permanent bench player going forward? Mark, I'll go to you first. I don't think he'll be a permanent bench player going forward. I think it was just, you know, some some rotation, healthy rotation always needed. We're still trying to work out our best eleven. I think Sessegnon is, honestly, and this could work to our advantage in the season, Himself, alongside probably Kearney and Mitrovic, are probably the players that a lot of opposition focus on the most in their preparation for matches. I think Sessegnon, obviously, the amount of publicity he gets due to his age and obviously the impact he had last season. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, of teams looking at him and and trying to, you know, work out exactly his style of play and kind of try and cater for that on defence. So I think starting Vieta yesterday was... A bit of a bold move from Slav, uh, but eventually it paid off. You saw how how quick he is, how he likes to he likes to cut inside, and he goes to the wing quite a lot. I think Sessegnon, for however great he is, he is young and uh, naturally he doesn't have that you know uh, that wide breadth of experience uh, that maybe Vieto has had from playing quite a few games in Spain and and being at uh, quite a number of clubs before. So I'm not worried that this will be Sessegnon's, you know, uh, drop out of the first team. I think maybe he'll spend a little bit of time on the bench, but it's about fighting for your place. And we've got some really good players going forward. So I'd obviously the person who eventually gets that position earn it. And at the moment, uh, Vieto looks like he's doing everything he can to stay in the team and, and good on him for that, to be honest. Go back to what you said earlier, you know, that Sessegnon, Mitrovic and Kenny are going to be the team, are going to be the players, the opposition teams focus on uh, going forward. Did you think that maybe it was a, a little bit of mind games from Slav in that yeah. case? You know, Bernie would have spent the whole week thinking, right, Ryan Sessegnon's going to be running at us. You know, Bernie's right back. I have no idea. I can't remember who it was. Bernie's right back. Right, you're going to have to deal with this, this, and this. All of a sudden, Vieto's playing. Bernie have to change their game plan. Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, absolutely. If you look at the side that we played, obviously, uh, against Spurs, you mentioned it earlier. We had two completely different wingers. And 
And one of the, you know, one of the problems we had against Spurs was that Mitrovic was a little bit isolated at times. You know, we weren't getting the ball into him quick enough. And so Slav probably saw that. And and from the very, you know, the, the moment the full-time whistle went in Spurs, maybe it was in his head that I need to change this and, and we need to kind of, you know, get a bit of movement going. And and goals are so important at the start of the season. We all know that. it's You, you need to get your strikers off the mark and, and get the confidence flowing throughout the front line. So... I think changing it is was was a smart move. Sean Dykes, you know, he's got a lot on his mind at the moment with his European games. And a lot of Burnley fans will tell you that the European games aren't affecting them in the league. But, you know, the travelling, the change in how you train as well, it, it all comes into effect. So, honestly, I think Slav was a bit of a, you know, mastermind tactician there. And like I said, long may it continue, to be honest. Yeah, Matt, what were your thoughts on the whole Cesc Vieto, you know, winger situation? I was shocked at the start, to be honest. When the um, I was I was sat in the pub beforehand with my mum, and the, um, the the message flapped up on my phone to say what the what the team was, and I was I was shocked to see that Cess had been dropped. None of us really know much about Vieto. You know, he came in uh, or he came on rather against Crystal Palace. Looked good, but didn't really have much time to to have much impact on the game. And starting yesterday, I, I thought he looked he looked more direct than Sessegnon. That was my feeling. Quite a tricky player, very quick, head down straight towards goal. He he set up the second of Mitrovic's goals, I think, with a with a great ball into the box. Uh, and, and you know, if you're asking whether or not it was the right decision to play him over Sessegnon, then clearly it was because it worked. Would playing Sessegnon have have had you know uh, an equal impact? We'll never know. Sessignon is is a great player and he's so young. There'll be plenty of other opportunities for him. And the thing is, at the moment, we, we don't know what our best side is. We still don't know what our best side is. I still don't believe that Slav knows what the best side is. But he's playing the players that impress him in the week, I guess. And that's what we don't see. We don't see how well they're doing in training during the week. The decision yesterday to play Vieto was the right one. It clearly was because we won the game. Absolutely. And just one more in terms of uh, position-wise and players in position that needs to be discussed. Do you think that uh, Jean-Marcel, Cherie and Tom Kenny can work together as an effective two in the middle of the park? Because we've had some struggles in the first two games you know, against Crystal Palace and Spurs. And you know, no disrespect to Burnley, they're very, very good. Organ- they're very well organised side, but they're not quite on the level of Spurs. So this was a sort of more easier game and a game that we could play to our style a little bit more. But do you think uh, Seri and Kenny can be an effective two in the middle of the park going forward, Matt? I, I definitely do, yeah. I think um, they're both quality players. It's it's one of these ones, isn't it, where we debated for years and years in the England side whether or not Gerrard and, and Lampard could play together in the same side because they were too similar. But we touched upon this last week and I don't see that Kenny and Seri are, are that similar, to be honest. OK, they're creative players, but... Seri is very much box to box. He'll be he'll be waiting for the ball on the edge of our own penalty area. He'll win the ball on the edge of our own penalty area. Then he'll play a, a, a layoff ball to somebody else. Whereas Kenny drives forward, he gets the ball. And you saw yesterday on the counter attack when we when we got us uh, our third goal, we won the ball on the edge of the box. Then Kenny carried it from one end of the field to the other before before laying it off to Vieto. And he also did the same in the second half as well. He was uh, racing towards the, the Hammersmith end. He played it to Fosu Mensah, who crossed it, and Mitrovic just slid in and, and missed missed the ball by by a matter of inches. I don't I don't think a club in our position can afford to leave out either either a player of Kearney's quality or of Seri's quality. And and I think that it's a new partnership, isn't it? Look, 
they've they've only been playing together for a month or so. Um, once they learn each other's strengths, then I, I feel positive and, and absolutely sure that they'll be able to play together effectively. Yeah, Mark, same question to you. Uh, yeah, well, I, I do see the similarities between them. I saw, you know, a lot of people talking about this before. At the moment, I'd like to see, at the moment, you were kind of bringing on Anguisa to kind of fill in that defensive midfielder role, maybe to replace K-Mac or whoever comes on there. Uh, I think Anguisa could be quite valuable when we're playing against those top six sides to maybe replace one of uh, Kearney or Seri. I'd probably lean towards him replacing Tom Kearney and then having either Mitro or K-Mac as the captain for the day, uh, only because I think Seri is probably slightly the more creative of the two and can kind of give us that extra spark. But like I said, against a top six side, I feel like at the moment where they are both very you know slick players and they are box-to-box players, which you know I agree with, I feel like K-Mac, his quality is, is kind of dropping back and sitting in between those two central defenders. And against a top six side, like we did against Spurs, we did get found out where we uh, we only had the one player there. So maybe a more defensive-minded player like Anguisa could come in and, 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 and play around in that midfield three. Let's not forget, you know, we've got quite good depth now. So I wouldn't want to write off the season early and, and say, you know, we need to just stick with those two always being on the pitch together. I don't think Tom Kenny would take it badly if, if you know, he he took a game out, just like Sessegnon. I think Slav needs to be brave here and, and say, you know, no one's bigger than the team. And, and if we need to make these changes, then we will have to make these changes. Yeah, and just one one quick word on our uh, on our opponents from, from Sunday, and that's Burnley. It's, it's something that we uh, and Fulham went through when we went on our Europa League run in 2009-2010. And it's, a, it's the question that we uh, addressed last week, and it's a, it's a question of tiredness. Did we just get lucky with the fact that Burnley have had to go out to Olympiacos, come back, and then have to travel again on Sunday? You look at our results and our performances in the in the Europa League when we were there. Yeah, the one that's sticking out to my mind is after we went away to Juventus uh, and lost three one, we went to Old Trafford, held them for forty five minutes, and then crumbled in the second half. Uh, I think we did the same to, uh, against Blackburn, where we conceded a, a late, a last minute goal. Uh, did the same against Arsenal. We, we we had those times where we held our own for some time and then just managed to you know crumble after a lack of energy. Do you think that's what sort of gave us the boost on Sunday? The fact, you know, the way that the way the game played out and the fact that we managed to get our fourth goal on the counter. That's you know, how big of an effect do you think that did play on Sunday, Mark? Well, I, I was I was watching Sky Sports News earlier actually and and uh, I've forgotten who it was now, a, a, a European player, let's put it there. Um, he was kind of saying, you know, it, it's not just about, you know, if, if some of the players that featured against us didn't play in Europe, it, it is also, you know, the difference in schedule. A lot of these Burnley players who have been together for quite a while are used to their training and they know their bodies are used to, you know, training on a Friday with a game on Saturday and, and the kind of European fixture and the travelling, it, it, it changes things. And if they don't play, then rightly so they're you know they're on the plane or they're having their meals but they're not active you know they're they're not always training in the same way they used to so however much like I said Bernie fans will try and tell you that these these European fixtures are are nothing to worry about this is four Thursdays on the bounce now that they've played so a hundred percent is going to take it out of them like you said when we were in the Europa League as well we did find it you know difficult and it's it's a case of you know whether you've got the legs in you but at the start of the season, this early on, uh, I can't see it making much of an impact. I don't want to, you know, take away from from how well we played as well because I don't think we were better than them on Sunday because of their legs going. I think it was a technical battle, and I think we won that technical battle. 
Uh, we weren't stretching them far and wide so that they were running everywhere. I feel like we just had, you know, the, the quick passing and, and the right tempo to get around them. So I, I think it'll be an interesting one to see how far Burnley progressed and how that does affect their, you know, their, their league campaign. But as far as yesterday was concerned, I think, you know, credit where credit's due. I think we played them off the park and rightly so. I'm Matt saying, last thing on Burnley, last question to you. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what Mark said. I, I mean, you know, if it, if it had been a tight game until quite late on and then we'd nicked it at the end, then I think you could put it down to tiredness. But you look at the way the game panned out yesterday and we've been knocking on the door for that fourth goal in the second half for quite some time. Um, Scherler had blown a few chances. You know, we, we'd been there or thereabouts and it, was, it, it seemed like it was going to be just a matter of time before the fourth goal came. But as time went on and it didn't come, then there was always that potential that, that they could go and nick an equaliser at the other end. It was, I also thought it was interesting, actually, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Dennis Adoy spoke to the club afterwards. It was it was on the website and then he said that he found Burnley's tactics to be very similar to those employed by championship sides, i.e. long ball up to the big man. And perhaps that's why Adoy got his chance at the back because he excelled in the championship last season at times against against sides like that. He's he's a slight fella, but he's he's got a big leap on him. And I thought he defended quite well throughout the game. But yeah, I mean, you know, if Dennis Adoy says that it's it's a, a side that plays with championship tactics, then we picked off most of the championship sides sides last season. Some of which with, with ease. Yeah, I, I, I thought we we thoroughly deserved three points yesterday. We were the better side. Indeed, that's it. Um, unless anyone else has any uh, further talking points they wish to raise about the Burnley game. Mark, you first. Well, you know, we haven't actually mentioned it, but I think Mitrovic, Scherler, Vieta, we, we touched on Vieta earlier. Mitrovic and Scherler deserve, you know, some incredible plaudits. I think, obviously, Seri was fantastic in the midfield, but but those two, I think Scherler, for his determination, in the first 15, 20 minutes, I, I turned to the people who I was sat with and said, you know what, Scherler isn't having that great a game. He gave the ball away a couple of times, a couple of wayward passes and a couple of dodgy shots. But if ever you want to see an advert for keeping your head down, try, try, try again, then that is it. Because after 90 minutes, he endeared himself to the fans. And what I love the most is the celebration. It was A, it was look at me, look what I can do. I'm back in the Premier League and I'm proving to my old employers that, you know, I am good and I am here to stay. And the second thing was how much he appreciated the fans singing his name. And there's nothing more than a fan loves than seeing a player celebrating a goal and, you know, really understanding that connection with the fans. And that, you know, that sold it to me. I am now fully on the Andre Scherler wagon and I absolutely love the player. Excellent point. Matt, last word on Bernie to you. Yeah, I don't, I don't really want want to end on a negative, but I feel like we should mention the defending for the goals that we conceded because it wasn't great. The first goal, Lamarchon's given the ball away on the halfway line and put us under pressure. I think he's been good so far this season, Lamarchon, but but that was a disappointment. But the the second goal was was the one for me. Okay, the replays show that the the guy who put the ball in the net was offside. Fair enough, you know. Sometimes you get those decisions, sometimes you don't. But it was from a corner. This is the sort of thing that surely the guys are practicing in the week, and everybody just stood and watched. We lost the first header and everybody stood there and the guy just tapped it into the empty net at the um, at, at the post. Surely they're being drilled to, to defend better than that in the week. Um, mm. Like I say, I don't, I don't want to end on a negative, but the fact that we've left this to the end, I feel like we should bring it up. 
I think on that as well, you've got to play to the whistle. And uh, the one thing I picked up on was before the ball had even ended up in the back of the net when it was pretty much a tapping, um, it Bettinelli's arm was in the air trying to call for offside. And I thought, don't worry about that. Wait until they call it for offside. Play to the whistle. Just try and save it. And his right hand was right in the air trying to call for offside. And his left hand was kind of, you know, trying to save the ball at the same time. So I think we need to be a lot more focused on those set pieces. I agree with Matt there. Yeah, it's basic, isn't it? It is basic, and basically, we need to move on. Fulham. Right, and moving on, it's one of my favourite parts of the uh, Fulham Focus podcast. It's one of the new things we have for this season. It's our quiz. So I'm going to put, put Mark and Matt up against each other as we go through a number of questions uh, related to our game against Brighton and see who has the best knowledge of it. A combination of Fulham knowledge and Brighton knowledge, just to see. Who has the um, who has the upper hand on this? We'll start off with this. Question number one. No win has been more satisfying over Brighton than when we beat the Seagulls 2-1 at the Amex in 2014. A game made memorable by Darren Bent's reaction when he scored against us. But my question is, can either of you name just one, because we want to keep it simple, name one of the Fulham goal scorers that day? Mark, you first. What year was this in? 2014, did you say? Yeah. Um, then... Hugo Rodiega, I'm going to say. Okay, that's one. Um, that is that is a correct answer. So we're going to be. Oh, hey. <laughs> uh, yep. So we're going to be putting Matt. Can you name who the other one was? Uh, I'm going to go McCormack. No, it, it was a Lasse Vegan Christiansen. Oh, wow. It was. A, I don't know whether or not it's going to. It's one of those dubious goals panel committed, similar to Harry Kane in the World Cup. It took a heavy deflection, <laughs> or whether or not he knew anything about it. But point is, Mark gets the point for that one. Question two, and this is, a, this is an odd one because this, by the way, Danny writes these questions. I do not know anything about these. It's all fresh to me. So if you have any questions, blame him. Hmm. It's an odd one out round. Darren Freeman, Danny Cullip, Richard Carpenter, and Paul Watson all signed for Brighton, reuniting with Fulham, Fulham boss Mickey Adams when he, because he uh, took us up in the late 90s. Then uh, Mickey Adams went to Brighton and took a whole bunch of players with him. But my question is of those four, Three of them went from Fulham to Brighton via brief spells at Brentford, but which one didn't? I was reading the names again. Darren Freeman, Danny Cullip, Richard Carpenter, and Paul Watson all went from Fulham. Uh, three of them went from Fulham to Brentford to Brighton. One of them went a different route. Matt, do you know which one it was? I think it's Carpenter. Ah, I was going to say Carpenter as well. Damn. <laughs> Okay, that well, you've done you've done my job for me. Yep, it was it was Richard Carpenter. <laughs> so after two questions, it is two one to Mark. Question three: uh, True or false? Fulham have lost all of their last five encounters with Brighton. Mark, true or false? We have lost our last five against Brighton. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure it's true. I think I may have seen this in the program or online. Okay, Mark says true. Matt says yeah. I'd also say true. It is true indeed. For some reason, Danny wants to uh, bring this up a lot. Maybe he has a personal vendetta <laughs> against Darren Brent. But that was the last. That was the last time we beat them in the league. So that was, you know, we'd lost our last five. But if you go back, the sixth one was the Darren Brent one. Question number four: Name the season following our relegation from the Premier League. Fulham played Brighton for the first time since which season? So basically, after we dropped down, after uh, after we got relegated in 2014, we played Brighton for the first time since when? Uh, who's going? Uh, Matt, I'll go to you first. When was the last time we played Brighton before we got to the Premier League? 
it was the Mickey Adams season, so 96-97. You seem pretty confident, but are you right? Mark, I'll throw it over to you as well. <laughs> uh, I'll go 95-96. Well, it is actually, Matt's uh, correct there. The 17th of December, 1996, it was in the... Auto Windscreens Trophy, which I think <laughs> was that day's equivalent of the Checker Trade. Am I right? The, yeah, the, you're right. Is it the Checker Trade or is it the Carabao? I've not. No, Carabao's the League Cup. No, Carabao's the League Cup. Yeah. They they all went. Through, all of them have gone through ridiculous sponsors through the party. <laughs> right. right, we go into this uh, question five, tied at three apiece. So this is going to be a make or break. Question number five, everyone loves Bobby Zamora, but the question is, who did he make more appearances for, Brighton or Fulham? Mark, I'll go to you first. Oh, that's tough. Uh, 50-50, I'm gonna go, I'll go Fulham. You'll go Fulham. Matt, you'll go? That makes it easy because I was going to go Brighton. And <laughs> victory goes to Matt because it was uh, 165 oh. appearances for Brighton and 135 for Fulham. Which, when you think... I was I was of the you know under impression that Bobby Zamora was there from from a lad till like twenty five. I thought he played more than that, but it was only thirty appearances. That's pretty close, pretty close and thing. But uh, close to no cigar. Matt takes the victory on next on this <laughs> week's quiz. Fulham. Moving on now and uh, tonight, as you're listening to it, tomorrow as we're recording it, uh, we do have a uh, Carabao Cup game. It is at home to Exeter City. Um, there's only really so many talking points you can have about this because A, it's a League Cup and everybody knows nobody cares about the League Cup so why are we even talking about it in the first place? I don't know but Danny insists that we do and I don't want to make him mad Um, the only really conversation we can have out of this is what do we expect the team to be? because I remember uh, talking on Twitter over the summer when all these signings were coming in particularly on deadline day and someone I was chatting with was saying "We we now have no excuse for not putting out a semi-competitive side when it comes to cup games. It's not going to be a case of putting out, you know, Marcelo Jiao. Jiao, I've never, I never knew how to pronounce his name and I don't need to now because he's not in the club anymore. But Marcelo Jiao, he doesn't, he's not going to be getting the game. Stefan Sessegnon isn't going to be getting the game. We don't have to dip into the academy for a goalkeeper. So we're going to put out a semi-competitive side. But what do you expect the team to be? I'm just curious about what everyone's thoughts are going to be. Are we going to be dipping into the academy somewhat? Because as Danny pointed out when we were uh, doing our pre-show prep for this, we don't have extra time to fall back on. So we can't put out a, a completely inexperienced team and then hope that they'll get hope that they'll get tired and take them in extra time. Because if it's a draw after nine minutes, it goes straight to penalties. And we can't afford that lottery, particularly our luck over the past couple of years with penalties. So, Mark, I'll just I'll go to you first. What do you just Give me a quick idea of what you expect the team to be. Will it, How many first-teamers do you expect there to be and how many, if any, academy players do you expect to have? Well, we've got a bit of a history, you know, of, of playing, you know, fourth-tier and third-tier teams in this round of the Cup. And, and the last couple of years, especially against Wickham, which I'm so happy we didn't pull out Wickham for I don't know how many times we played them in the last few years. We usually try and give, you know, the youngsters a bit of a run-out. But 
I think this is kind of a, a different opportunity, really. Slav, we've got a lot of new players, like we said. Deadline Day obviously brought in so many, and I think this is going to be important. I think we'll definitely have a few uh, younger heads in there, but I think this is going to be a chance to really test ourselves with our formations, with our new players as well. So I don't think we'll see a huge load of academy players. Definitely a couple in there. I expect maybe Steven Sessegnon to get a chance. and But I, I honestly think that, you know, we've got, sidelined players at the moment maybe Alfie Mawson will get a chance to come in I know he's back in training as well I think this is going to be um, a, a game where we where we need to test players out we can't afford to be doing it in the league too much uh, so I expect Slav to name quite a strong side if I'm honest obviously we won't have Kearney available I know he picked up the small injury yesterday um, so the midfield, you know, we, we've got a chance to put other players in. I doubt Seri will be available, but maybe Johansson will get the game time that he's been looking for. The You know, like I said, Sessegnon may come in, maybe even both Sessegnons, who knows? Uh, and then maybe Rico in goal or, or, or Fabri, for example. Um, but I don't think it will be full of academy heads. I think maybe we'll go with a fairly, a reasonably strong side with a, with a fair few first team players. Uh, like you said as well, no extra time. So I don't want to risk... Uh, the lottery of a penalty shootout. So I think we'll be we'll be pleasantly surprised, and I think it could be a good result for us for for all of those of us who are making the trip on tomorrow evening. Okay, Matt. Same question to you. What do you expect the uh, What do you expect the team to be? Um, I think it could be a mix. To be honest, it's difficult to know quite how seriously the the club are going to take it this season. As you say, last season we ended up losing um, losing to a team from from the bottom division. I think Bristol Rovers. And looking at the team we put out against them, it was a, it was a mix. But we did have Cabano, Kamara, Ojo, Norwood in in the side for that uh, for that game, and Bettinelli as well. So they they were in or around the first team, especially during the run in, quite a lot of those players. And, and we still lost that game. So I completely understand why we would try and take it a bit more seriously and not risk being knocked out, especially now we're a Premier League side because Exeter also in in Division Two uh, or League Two rather as it's called now. So I, I wrote down a team that potentially could play. I don't know if if Tim Ream will be fit. You've uh, stolen my thunder here a bit because uh, I was going to ask. I was going to ask both of you to sort of quickly name, quickly name a team, <laughs> and we could come up with that together. But seeing as, <laughs> as seeing as you've got one, you you far I'm ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Far ahead. Let's see how many disagreements I'm, we have. Sure. Okay. So I've gone for Rico in goal. I've gone. Yeah, for, I can. I can. I can. I can agree with that. Yeah, I've gone for Christie at right back. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I can I can see that. Mark, if you have any objections or any thoughts about that, you feel free to shout out. I, I'd stick Stephen Sesson in there, but yeah, carry on. Um, well, I've put Stephen Sesson at left back because he played left Ooh, back lovely. Um, against Sampdoria. Continental. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Um, then we've got uh, Mawson and Ream in the middle if they're both fit and available. If Morsen. they're not, if they're not fit and available though, because Malfi Mawson's coming off a. I don't Ream think Ream is. is yeah. Yeah, so if they're not available through injury, so basically the players we know are going to be fit. How about we work with that? Just okay, sure. So then um, I'd, I'd probably have Chambers there because he only came on at the end of the game yesterday. Um, and uh, who else have we got as centre-back? Trying to wrap my brain. Uh, Lemarchand, Dennis Adoy. Oh, no, I can't. Anybody who played 90 minutes or most of the game on Sunday is a complete no-go as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> See, this is where we need Marcelo Giao. This is, we, should have, yeah. we should have held on for him for another two weeks. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I don't know who the other centre-half will be then if, if Mawson's not available. But I believe he is. I, I think he's been training. I think, I think he'll play some part. OK, so uh, Mawson, Mawson and Chambers. Sure. We, yeah, Mawson and Chambers, OK. 
Um, have a defensive then, midfielder then. Uh, Angisa, I think he'll play. Anguissa, yeah, okay. I, I, I think Angisa will get the start. That's fair enough. The two central midfielders. I've gone Steph Joe and Matt O'Reilly. Yeah. And Matt O'Reilly. No, Matt O'Reilly, I believe, played for the under 23s today. Did he? In fact, he did. Oh, I yes. thought he was left out. Oh, was he actually in that squad? Uh... He was. So it'll either be um, two players who I'm very high on. I reckon if we're going if we're going that way and we're going to have an academy player next to Stephanie Johansson, I think it will either be Luca Della Torre or Matthias Kate. Yeah, mm. it'll well, be De one Torre's, of them. Della is more of a forward though, isn't he? Mm. I was I always had him as a central midfielder. I'm going purely <laughs> off football manager, but I always had him as a central <laughs> midfielder. Well, I think he. I, I've, I might be wrong, but from what I can remember against Sampdoria, if we were playing four three three, he kind of he did he did play up top. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my memory's playing tricks with me. Again, okay, in which case we're still down a central midfielder. Or do you want to put maybe Delatore? Maybe we're going four two three one and have Delatore as a number ten. Some some. Yeah, well, I'm, we're let's, experimenting let's with formation. Maybe. Yeah, so. yeah let's do that. <laughs> okay, look at Delatore goes in at number ten. So we need two wingers now. Um. Well, Kamara. Kamara, um, yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, Kamara is more or less bound to start. I think that's a guarantee. And so we Nieskens. need a left winger. Niskens, Cabano. Yeah. Niskens, Cabano. Okay. And number number nine, if you want to play it that way. But it's going to be the big man, isn't it? Rui Font, the goal machine. Oh, yeah. I'll be brutally honest. I forgot <laughs> he was still with us. He has. <laughs> Because, oh, yeah. No, because I remember that there's been talk for that. There's been talk about him being going on loan somewhere, yeah. and I just just because I haven't seen him, I just assumed he'd gone. Okay, I, think, really, oh, I saw okay. a nice I saw a nice photo of him uh, yeah. at the cottage cheering everyone on from from the corner. So yeah, even I though he wasn't in the matchday squad, it was yeah, it was good to see him there. Okay, then so this is our challenge. We'll come back to this next week. See how many we got right. Yeah. The full and focused team. If we were. Excuse me, if we we're in Slav's position, this is what we do. We go Fabri in goal, Cyrus Christie at right back, Callum Chambers and Alfie Mawson at centre back, with Stefan Sessignon at left back, a midfield two of Angisa and Stefan Johansson, um, moving from right to left, Abubakar Kamara, Luca del Torre, and Niskan Scabano uh, as the uh, front three, with Rui Font as the number nine up top. In that situation, team. you'd give Johansson the captaincy as well, wouldn't you? Yes, I would. Or maybe uh, maybe Reem if he was uh, feeling up to it. Or Reem if or Reem if he was feeling up to it, right? Or okay. Lawson. Oh, 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 careful! <laughs> oh, on his first day. Who knows? Uh, Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll see. Right. Anyway, moving on because we've got one more game to preview. Fulham. And the game we have left to play is Brighton. Um, obviously, they had a very good result. Last week against Man United, followed up with a not so good result, but a very decent performance against Liverpool. And we've seen, um, you know, we we discussed our terrible record against Brighton. It's not going to be the easiest, uh, the easiest of games for us to go to. And we know our away record in the Premier League is also shocking. So I'm not getting my hopes up too much. I think we can put in a decent performance, but at the same time, I'm not going to be 100 percent shocked if we don't come away with anything, because I really am a fan of Chris Hewn, Chris Hewn as a manager. And I think they've got a very similar to, similar to Crystal Palace and Burnley. They've got a very good, strong, stable side down there. 
and I think they and I think they can be very hard to break down. Mark, just what are your what are your thoughts uh, going into this game? Where do you think are the strengths and weaknesses are of Brighton? Where do you think we can exploit them? Well, well, I'm quite I'm quite positive about this game. I think uh, going into you know we've got quite a few games coming up that, that look quite difficult, especially City on the road. Uh, we can't be expecting to get uh, you know many points there, if any at all. So I've been looking at Brighton away and, and obviously this Burnley game at home and thinking this is where we need to be going for it and, and you know. Like you said, our away record in the Premier League hasn't always been great, but this is a completely different team to the last time we were in the Premier League. And, and I think the way we play, the, you know, the, the forward thinking, and uh, we've got a, the top scorer in the league is in our team at the moment. Uh, so I, I, I think we can go there and I think we can give them a really good game. I think watching their um, match against Manchester United, their 3-2, uh, I thought considering Manchester United haven't been the most free-flowing of football teams uh, in the last two years, uh, I thought... Brighton didn't handle that very well when United were on the front foot. I thought their defence was... It, they struggled at times to, to, to deal with, you know, late runners and, and especially crosses from the um, crosses from the left-hand side that, that were being whipped in around that area and Lukaku was trying to, you know, get on in on the end of them. I thought their midfield and their attack were, were very well drilled. They were very organised. And so that could provide us with a bit of a problem, especially if... Um, our back five, you know, still hasn't gelled as, as as much as we would like to see it. I know we had a few lapses of concentration against Burnley, but I think we're going to be in for an exciting game. I think it will be on a knife edge, but I personally think we can go there and I think we can score goals. And I'd like to see that front three that played against Burnley starting exactly the same as how it was and just to see us go for it and change our away record fortunes. I think that would be, you know, what all Fulham fans really want, especially going into Man City away following up. Okay, now you again. You sort of preempted me. You, I need, I need to give a more detailed script out to you guys, so you don't preempt me. If you, you have, you have sort of um, the question that we put out uh, on the Fulham Focus Twitter feed after the after the Burnley game was: Do we think Luciano Vieto is going to, you know, cement his place and you know keep Sessignon out of the side for a for a sustained period of time, starting with the Brighton game? You've obviously given your view. You think that you think that's going to, or at least you want that to happen, because you yeah. you want to stick with you want to stick with the same uh, front three at least uh, that played against Burnley. Uh, Matt, do you share the do you share the same views? Um, you know, i.e., strength and weaknesses, and also in in regards to team selection. Yeah, I think so. I think it would be silly to change uh, a winning team to begin with. I also had a look at um, some of the stats from Brighton's opening games. And although they beat Manchester United 3-2, they had six shots, um, three of which were on target. And of course, the three that were on target ended up in the back of the net. But they only had 33% possession against United at their own ground. Against Liverpool at the weekend, they only had 30% possession. So I think we're probably going to win the possession battle because I think we've player for player, we're better. We're we're a better side. We'll we'll keep the ball well. So the game hinges on how well we defend um, and how ruthless we are in front of goals. I also notice they give away quite a lot of fouls, Brighton. Um, and if they're giving away fouls in key areas, then if we can get good balls into the box, then I think Mitro um Mitro will be on the end of them. They're missing a couple of key players at the back, Brighton. They're missing their captain and they're also missing Lewis Dunk, who went off against United injured. So that's a couple of key players for them. So if we can get in amongst them in, in that penalty area where we're ruthless in front of goal, then, then we've got a really good chance of winning the game. Although Brighton's home form has, has been excellent. They've, they've only lost one game in their last six at, at the Amex, um, including last season, obviously, as well. 
And two of those games were wins against Manchester United and one was a win against Arsenal. And I think they drew against Spurs in amongst all that lot as well. So they're very difficult to beat in on their own on their own patch. Their away, their away form's terrible. You know, it's it's on a par to how bad our away form used to be when we were an established Premier League side. But at their own ground, they're they're difficult to beat. But I, th- I think I think we've got a really good chance of beating them as long as we can keep our head at the back and 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 more and more importantly, our concentration at the back. That's key. We'll score. We'll, I think we'll definitely score a couple of goals. Um, will we concede any? That's a big question. Now you mentioned when we were going through our Exeter uh, team preview, uh, you wanted to put Alfie Mawson and Tim Ream uh, into that side. Now that's you giving the assumption they're going to be fit. If that's the case, and you mentioned that we need to be strong at the back, do we bring Alfie Mawson in or do we keep it as much of a, an unchanged side as we can? Or do you think, you know, we spent all this money on Alfie Mawson, we need to rush him in? No, I don't, I don't think there's any rush to bring him in. I think um, bring him in when he's fit. We'll have to see how he gets on against Exeter tomorrow night. Perhaps um, a couple of substitute appearances to integrate him into the Premier League, um, get him back into the pace of things. But the last thing we want to do is put a player who's had a, a knee operation right in at the deep end when we don't really need to. We've got some fit defenders at the moment. All right, some of their performances haven't been fantastic so far. Um, some of them have been better than others. But let, let's not drop him in at the deep end. Let's only put him in when when we're confident that he's fit enough and his 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 fitness levels are high enough to, to cope. Okay, Mark, it's uh, time it's time to put the pressure on you. I'm going to need an official, although it's unofficial because we're not keeping score of it anymore. We were, but we decided not <laughs> to in the end. I'm going to need an official score prediction from you, and ideally, if you can, the score is as well. Okay, I'm going to go for 2-0 Fulham, and I'm going to go with Vieto and Scherler. Vieto and Scherler. Matt, same to you. Um, I think we'll concede. I do think we'll concede. I'm going to go 2-1, um, and I think Mitro will get them both. Okay, Mitro staying on fire then. Indeed. In the, you know, someone had to keep that cliche at some point. Mm-hmm. It may as well have been me. Um, <laughs> just before we do sign off and wrap up this edition of the Full and Focus podcast, one of the things we are trying this year is we we have our own fantasy our own fantasy league. Be sure to check out the Twitter page for all the details on that. But we also, we like to have our fantasy Premier League tip of the week. So if you're in our uh, fantasy football league, then feel free to feel free to join in and also feel free to follow these picks or feel free not to, depending on, on how you see it. Mark, what is your fantasy football tip of the week? Okay. So um, I've been keeping an eye on this player for a little while now. He's only owned by 1.6% of managers. Uh, and it's actually a, uh, Mamadou Sako, uh, obviously the Crystal Palace defender, who we know very well. Um, he only costs five million, which is a decent price for a defender, uh, and he's been playing very well recently. Um, they've got Southampton up at home next time, uh, and from watching a few of Crystal Palace's games, I think you know he's good in the air. Uh, he picked up all three bonus points in their last game, uh, and I think they may keep a clean sheet. So, although it's risky picking a defender as your kind of wild card, I certainly will be uh, having Sako in my team next week. So. Follow that advice to your own peril after I only managed a, a meagre 35 points this week. Mitro kind of saved me, but follow advice at your own peril. Okay, and Matt, what's your what's your tip for this week? 
Um, again, last week I, I I tipped to put Salah in because Liverpool were playing Brighton and and he did score, but it's it's hardly you know groundbreaking advice. Um, and I've got something similar this week because Newcastle were at Man City this weekend. They had nineteen percent possession at home against Chelsea yesterday, which is terrible when you're at home, really. So going to Man City, who who have a lot of possession traditionally, they they potentially could absolutely thrash Newcastle. So I'd say put Sergio Aguero in and make him your captain. Even though you know Rafa's going to employ the same style of play as he did against Chelsea, and it's not going to be a 5-0 or a 6-0, you know that, because Rafa's just going to shut up shop. Well, Chelsea Chelsea and Man City are, are quite far apart in, in terms of how well they play and how they play. I, I, can see, I can see Newcastle getting their backsides handed to him at the weekend. I really can. Okay, that's fine. My fancy tip, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep banging on this until basically someone tells me to stop. I'm gonna pick another Welshman. I'm gonna go with Aaron Ramsey, who I think I picked last week as well. Um <laughs> Arsenal going away to Cardiff City. I think Cardiff uh, not exactly the greatest team in the Premier League. That's no that's no secret. And I think that Arsenal's game plan is gonna play very no well, Cardiff's game plan is gonna play very well into Arsenal's hand. Aaron Ramsey, I think, will get at least two assists, probably from probably from corners. Um, just probably from corners. Um, that's it. Thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of the Fulham Focus podcast. Uh, just a few things to, uh, to to remind you on. You can follow us on Twitter at Fulham uh, underscore focus. And please keep an eye out on Wednesday on the website as we induct a true legend into our Hall of Heroes with an article released in honour of the anniversary of his passing. Now, all that's left for us to do is is to thank you for joining us and to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Matt. Goodbye. It's a goodbye from Mark. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye. And come on, you whites. Go on, you whites. Come on, you whites.